Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch 2 with me, Julieta Televi, and joining me to take your stock-related questions this evening are David Shapiro from Sassman Securities and Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investments. If you'd like to send questions, SMS 41392 or email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za. Wayne, David, good evening to you both. Uh, Wayne, uh, just incidentally, before we went on air, was saying, is David now the oldest man <laughs> in the market? <laughs> no, uh, Warren Buffett is still there um, at age, what, 93, um, David, but it's a sad day for anyone who appreciated the, the wit and wisdom of Charlie Munger, who passed away yesterday at the age of 99. Mm. He was, uh, he used to sit there. I went to a number of meetings and he would just sit there with this almost sto stoic look. But when he spoke, uh, he was a very wise man, but had very strong views. I love it. Buffett used to call him call him Old Testament. You know, in other words, <laughs> his, his views are very conservative, and uh, didn't like stockbrokers, didn't like accountants, didn't like business schools and that. But uh, very, very, you know, he he actually changed Buffett's views, you know, ways on that because Buffett was a value investor. And the one thing about him, um, and if I say this, he did say, you know, he looked for uh, quality companies with moats, as he called them, you know, with competitive edges and so on. So he did change Buffett's whole view on investments as well. Very strong in China as well. Yeah. He said, you know, they work hard, you can't compete with them. So very, very positive on them. Um, when um, you know, there's been quite a lot of obituaries, and I will get to the day's markets and the questions. But um, th there've been some fantastic ones. John Authors wrote wrote a really good column this morning. The FT's obituary was was fantastic, and and they said, you know, a lot of people have attributed the success of Berkshire Hathaway to to luck and time in the game. But um, John Authors made the point that you, you just cannot compare the the two. And I, I mean, the FT's stats were. I didn't realize how staggering they were. The 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 yes. the compound rate of return the uh, was well it was over the period of 1964 to 20, 2022 was 3.8 million percent made by Berkshire Hathaway versus 24,000 percent on the S&P 500. That that's those yeah. numbers are just impossible to comprehend. No, it is it is astonishing. Look, luck luck plays a big part in investments always. But there are people who have been around and have been successful over such a sustained time period. It, it can't be luck. Mm. In fact, actually, Charlie yeah, Bunn, among yeah, you yeah. know, they, they, they just did the course. And, you know, if you if you look into Buffett, you look into Munger, and I think we don't, you know, too, too many people like to trade. Uh, the noise bothers them. They're in, they're out. They want, uh, you know, look for quick profits and that. So... Um, they, they just found good companies and stayed with them. And I think it, it's such a simple philosophy, but it's so hard to actually administer and uh, put into practice. Mm. Hard emotionally, I'm talking. Yeah. Okay, well, there's actually a question from a viewer this evening, and and uh, and before we get on to the day's events um, on the market, um, he, well, he wanted a view on Bidcorp. We have another viewer asking about Bidvest, which came out with a trading update yesterday, which I think <gasps> shocked everyone. Um, but he says the best long-term compounders on the JSC to hold for the next 20 years. So in the spirit of, of Buffettdom, <laughs> are there any shares that are obvious to you? I mean, Wayne, any stand out? Look, Look, 20 years is a very long time. Economies change. 
companies change. There are actually very few mining companies aside that have been around for 20 years. The ones that have are the life insurers have been around an awful long time. Banks have been around a long time. Some of the big retailers have been around. So the compounders, if you're just looking South African shares, you know, I would I, w- I would look in there. You know, um, ShopRite's an excellent compounder. You know, Bitvest, Bitcorp were excellent, are excellent compounders. I mean, Bitvest is my stock pick for tonight. We're going to talk about that later. But there are compounders, but they go in cycles. You know, there's not one sector or share that's just going to compound for 20 years. Mm. You know, you know, David was talking earlier on about long-term view, and that is correct. But effectively, the, a truly long-term view in investments is five years. Mm-hmm. Things change. Yeah. Julie, the, the one thing about Buffett, he was very pro-America. And the reason he was pro-America, because of the economy or because of the country, what it allowed you to do. You know, it had the skills, it rewarded uh, invest, it, it rewarded risk. Um, it had the, the rights, universities, and you know, everything, it protected your rights. Everything was there for businesses to prosper. And he would say this often, uh, you know, he, and, and even now he would repeat it. So I think you have in the right kind of country, in the right kind of environment, um, you can look oh. yeah, with the kind of climate that we're having uh, at the moment. It's very hard to, to make those kind of choices. But they were very patriotic. Uh, you know, Buffett and both Munga, incredibly patriotic and uh, supportive of the U.S. Yeah. In fact, actually, and just to digress very quickly, um, Graham Barr and Brian Cantor write occasionally for the Financial Mail, and they've written a fantastic piece for us this week on compound interest. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, supposedly attributed to Alt- Albert Einstein. Not Well, we couldn't really find that direct quote, but that it's the eighth wonder of the world. Warren Buffett uses it constantly. But they're saying that, you know, th- th- um, if you had invested in Venezuela, for example, you... Uh, um, it's 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 the underlying rate of growth that matters. It's not it's not simply the compounding effect. So you need a rate of growth, which I think speaks to your point, David, mm-hmm. about you know a U.S. economy, um, and and I think maybe the South African economy isn't quite there at the moment. But just on Bidvest, so Wayne, it's your stock pick, and, and we'll get your thoughts on it towards the end of the show. But uh, one of the viewers says the Bidvest share price has dropped dramatically over the past two days. Is this a buying opportunity at these levels? And at what point would the panel want to enter and buy these shares if one wants to hold them for the long term? So, David, would well, you... Look, I think, oh, okay, Wayne. Yeah, David, I think ask Wayne, he's going to tell you in any case. Okay. Yeah, I'll, so. I'll tell you now, then, I don't, then, then, David, then David can waffle more at the end of the program. He'll have more time. <laughs> look, yeah. the, biggest, the biggest mistakes I've made in investments... Uh, luckily enough, most of them eventually did pay off, was to try and catch a falling sword. You know, where the company hits a bad patch and the share price collapses and I buy too soon. So I'm fully aware that Bidvest might be one of these. But uh, normally I've made these mistakes with them, with truly cyclical companies. And that's one thing Bidvest is not, is a truly cyclical company. It's actually... You know, as I said earlier on, maybe one of these compounding companies. Mm. And because it's taken such a pounding in the last couple of days since that uh, trading update that, that they gave through us, I think it shows 
really nice value at these levels. We all know what it's in. You know, we we, we might not realize it, but we touch a Bidvest product or a Bidvest service virtually every day of our lives. When you look at their results, the, the let, let's call it the services side actually did well. The problems were almost outside of that particular area. And the particular one was that it's so well uh, selling solar panels and inverters that they overstocked and then the sales dropped off when stage six dropped off mm. you know, at the end of May. And that, and that has affected them quite a bit. They will eventually work through the stock, but it's really a valuation, a valuation issue for, for, for Bidvest. You're buying the, the shares now at quite a reasonable valuation level. Yeah. So I don't think anything's going to change there. You know, obviously the South African economy hopefully will pick up over the next two or three years, which will greatly benefit Bidvest and you're buying it at good prices. Yeah. David, would you wade in, or do you think the sword is still yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. pricey? I, I mean, I sharp, what's rather. What's important is that structurally there's nothing wrong. And it's not as though they're making losses or uh, they're under pressure from a liquidity point of view. Not at all. All that's happened is that they're not trading as well as they thought they would be trading. That's that's what it comes down to. In other words, that's a shock. So uh, they were positioning themselves for a, a pretty decent uh, second half of the year. They end in June. This would be the first half of the new year. Yeah. And perhaps trading wasn't as good as it uh, should have been. And that was the shock. And that's all they admitted. And, of course, they've been hurt by what's happening in the uh, in the harbors. You know, they hurt what's what's happening um with all the with Esco, so everything along the way is 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 damaging their uh, ability to trade. So, I I, I agree with Wayne. It's uh, it's something they can easily overcome, yeah. and uh, proud record. I think they'll recover very fast. So I wouldn't get too concerned about it. It's just that it came as a as, as a bit of a shock to us because yeah. they're such a resilient company. But you know, they can't fight off what's a reality. Yeah. I mean, it actually shouldn't have come as a shock. Maybe what was shocking was <laughs> actually how resilient they were up until now. Because mm. um, we thought, oh, maybe the economy is not as bad as we think. And, and on that note, and Wayne, this is specifically for you. Um, a viewer says on a news channel earlier this week, for the first time uh, I've ever heard the most ardent pro-SA Inc. person, Wayne McCurry, eventually falter and say that the minister in the presidency had broken and destroyed the government business trust by saying that business was orchestrating the collapse of the SA economy. I think we all agree that she, her rant is, is terribly misplaced. My question is whether he is still as optimistic with SA Inc. as previously. Wayne? Look, yes, let's answer that. I mean, um when I, when I heard the state president say, was it yesterday, that we mustn't badmouth South Africa, <laughs> I think the state president's getting that wrong. No one's badmouthing South Africa. People are badmouthing his government. Yes. That's the first point to make. We're not badmouthing South Africa. We're badmouthing the ANC government. So I think, I think that's the first thing. But yes, I'm still optimistic. We are. Sometimes you wish you weren't so resilient, because, but we are resilient. We've been able to cope with everything that's been thrown at us. But I suppose more importantly, we're at the bottom of a commodity cycle. Things can't be good. The government has made it worse, unfortunately, with Eskom and Transnet and the absolute magnitude of all the other problems. I listened to a minister talking on the radio this morning 
and it was about maybe a 12-minute interview, and I think the minister said, we have a challenge, the word challenge, about yeah. 32 times <laughs> of all the problems that, that, that they're facing. We should actually now have a challenge count whenever uh, politicians talk as to how many challenges that they've actually got. But yes, I'm still optimistic. We've come through a lot. We're evaluating our current set of circumstances, as I said, at the bottom of a commodity cycle. Mm. Always the worst time to to look at things. I can remember the late 90s. Things were catastrophic. The rand was collapsing. And then we had this magnificent boom and things were just great. And then they got worse again and then they got better and then they got worse where we are now. And that's where we are at the bottom of the cycle. So I'm still optimistic about South Africa and South Africa Inc. And I'm extremely optimistic about the share prices. Mm. Right. Uh, questions to get through. Um, just a slightly more general one to start off with, actually. It was a viewer talking about balanced portfolio. And he said, given the worldwide market turmoil over the past few years, pandemic, inflation, recessionary pressures, Ukraine, Middle East, China's faltering economy, etc. Uh, what would the panel consider to be acceptable to good returns on a typically balanced portfolio? of mainly local and international equities and a smallish allocation of local bonds, no property over the past three to five years. What would David be fair? <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's, it's a very difficult question. I, when I say what, what's the ideal return, I always look at pitching about a five to six percent yield in dollars whatever that translates to. Now, remember, the RAND has been depreciating at about 6% per annum. So I always look at protecting your global purchasing power. You know, that's my challenge when, when, when people come to me with money. If you, if you understand what I'm saying, yeah. I, uh, you want, you, you've, if you've got a, you're looking after pension money, you want to make sure that those pensioners don't get poor, that they remain rich. And therefore, you've got to maintain what I call their international purchasing power. So for me, it's in the region of 5% to 6% in dollars. In dollars. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's how you achieve that. It, it, it's very difficult because there's moving targets all the time. Local, local equity market, global equity markets, bonds commodities it's uh, it's a very very difficult to kind of say give you the ideal composition of those funds wayne do you uh, anything to throw in there yeah. i mean if on the rand basis yeah. would you look, look for inflation plus x i mean yeah look inflation plus x these are all very good theoretical and, and very valid stories but over a lot longer than five years so mm -hmm. over 10 years 15 years plus a balanced fund should give you inflation plus three now, all talking, all talking pre-tax, over the last five years, you've got 5% plus dividends, you've got 7% from SA shares, you've probably got on average 10% from US shares in RAND terms over the last five years. Uh, US bonds, you got cleaned out in total over the last five years, you got absolutely destroyed there. Mm. SA bonds are giving you a nice, you know, 9, 10, 11%. So, uh, average balanced fund over the last five years should have given you Call it eight to nine percent. Okay, in rand terms. In rand terms, X tax. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, then moving on, uh, there's a question on Vodacom. At a hundred rand, it seems like a buy. What does the panel think, David? It's a commodity. <laughs> it's a utility. Sorry, not yeah. a commodity. It's a utility. It's but it's a commodity. Hmm. Well, it is. 
Uh, they went ex-dividend today, and maybe that's why they were down 5%. But uh, they're plodding along. I, I find it difficult to find anything exciting about it, you know, any kind of growth opportunities. If you want a fairly decent yield, you'll, you'll probably get it. But I think the period of, of high growth is over. And now it's a matter of using the assets that they have and the, and the product and the business that they have and trying to extract as much cash and pay that back. Uh, you know, but uh, I think the the period of of that we you know first bought them when they when we started to use mobile phones, etc. I think that's gone. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard to grow their markets, and they've got to find other areas in which they can make money. Mm. So I'm not a great. I'm not. I'm indifferent. You know, but I, it's it's not something I rush into. Mm. Wayne, are you similarly lukewarm? Yeah, it's 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 cheap enough. I mean, this is the cheapest it's been in five years now. It's cheaper than it was post, you know, at the peak of COVID. It was absolutely, you know, when in, in, in things were really dire. So it's cheap enough. But I agree with David. These have been ex-growth for a very long time. And by and large, when they've tried to go somewhere else to find growth, not, not Vodacom per se, they actually made big mistakes. Mm. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's cheap enough. It's, it's cheap enough, but these are extra there. Mm, okay. Uh, then a question on Lewis. Um, and the viewer asks, are results out of Lewis expected to be decent tomorrow, notwithstanding the position the South African consumer is currently in? I have to say, I haven't actually noticed any trading updates mm. from Lewis. So that would suggest mm. that things are not catastrophically good or bad. You know, there wouldn't be a 20% variation in the earnings, right? Yes, if there was more than 20%, we should have got a trading update out of them. But this is one of these typical South African companies. You know, this thing I'm just looking at, this is a four price earnings ratio at an almost 11% dividend yield. Look, it's a fairly small company, yeah? Um, I mean, quite frankly, with that sort of rating, uh, the share price could move dramatically tomorrow if the the news is good, but I don't know what the news is going to be. Uh, Julian, if you look at consumption, if you look at PEPCOR's numbers today, if you've looked at what's coming out of the retailer, it's a battle out there. You know, there's not, I, I, in fact, I looked at the numbers for Black Friday. They're not good. I know that Black Friday yeah. is no longer a day. It's been stretched. You know, it's almost yeah. a month now. Everybody's, Black Friday is every day. But from my understanding, the sales are down and volumes are down. So I don't think people have got the money to go out there and buy. And in fact, even in the U.S., a lot was on buy now, pay later. You know, <laughs> you buy now and you pay over three consecutive or four consecutive weeks or something like that. You pay little bits. So I, it's they sell furniture. Yeah. You know, and uh, it might be on HP or whatever the, the new term is, et cetera. But. Still, I think it's, I, I don't think the, you know, what we've seen coming out of the, uh, the the retailers doesn't really point to anything outstanding. And the fact, it's a well-run company, good business, but I don't know what to expect. Yeah. I mean, I think Bitvest's trading update was simply a confirmation, certainly on for consumers, that mm. I think uh, incredibly high inflation and high prices and electricity cuts and interest rates, I think, have actually just... Mm-hmm. You know, no one's, everyone's right at the end. They, you know, you were hoping for maybe a little bit of relief and it just hasn't happened yet. And I mean, that yeah. surely is but reflective. You must remember, 
in theory, that's the time you buy these shares is when things are catastrophic and disastrous and there's no hope left in because the cycle can turn. We can get lower interest rates and we will get lower interest rates. The RAND will improve, you know, if, if the cycle works like it, like it has in the past. And, you know, that's the time you buy these sort of shares. But I, I just don't know enough about Lewis and okay. certainly a bit vest, uh, the, the durable side was put. Yeah. And, of course, Lewis is exposed particularly uh, there. Um, a question yes. on a Dischem, so keeping with retailers. Can you please ask Wayne and David their opinion on Dischem? Stories seem great, yet the share price has gone nowhere in five years. So would clicks be a better play? Did I misread it or did it shoot up yesterday? I did not see what happened to Dischem yesterday. I mean, there was a there was a massive gain. I don't know what drove it. Or yeah, whether they fat fingers again, but yeah, <laughs> it could be. That's the only worry. But I mean, it's it's kind of been plodding along as well uh, sideways. I think they're getting their their strategy, you know, in tune. I think uh, it's not a bad business at these levels. I, th I don't know why. It's, you know, at the twenty nine rev uh, level, I preferred it at around about twenty four, twenty five. But at these kind of levels, um, I'm not sure. You know, it just worries me that it just shot up like that and it'll probably un undo itself. But it's, it's a pretty decent business. You know, there's nothing wrong with it and it's nothing wrong with where they're going. They're expanding. Uh, their shelves are always full. Their uh, shops are always full. But as the viewer says, it's great stories, but over five years... You've got not much to show for. Well, yeah, look, you can say that for any retailer in South Africa. I think it's it's been a very difficult time uh, for retailers here. I don't, you know, you first had COVID and then you were followed by uh, load shedding of a level that we, we haven't seen. I'm just looking out the window to see if we've got load shedding or not. But I mean, you know, at these kind of levels, it's got to impact them. And the additional cost of keeping their businesses going, and now you've got... Um, I know they're in imported. They do manufacture locally, but uh, you know who knows what's going to happen to their suppliers as well. Yeah. So it's it, it, it's listen. They do okay. You know, mm. <laughs> as as Maya Khan used to say, say you, know, you write the reports. You know, you man the tools. I write the reports. You know, <laughs> in other words, it's a lot easier to um, to write reports and to make comments than to actually run businesses. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to ask Wayne one last question, seeing as he's given us a stock pick already. Sun International, Wayne. Um, a viewer mm -hmm. says, can you ask your panel why Sun is a cautionary art that says nothing, really, um, other than <laughs> that they're eyeing um, a possible acquisition? That, that, I guess they're yeah, within their rights, right? I, I, I like this industry. I like that leisure travel, foreign tourists. I think it is the truly the one growth industry in South Africa. And all the, all the companies that are aligned to that are reporting the same thing so i actually like it but what i did i did see the cautionary there but what it's about you know the exact details of what i'm not mm. sure we speculate that it might be some sort of online gaming sports betting play that that is uh, they've got a guy called nigel payne on the board he used to be sort of big in the uk online gaming industry so that's the conclusion that we've drawn but yeah quite possible uh, that's it. That's the big growth industry in South Africa: online gambling, sports betting. Yeah, <laughs> but it's the chart looks great, and and even Bitfair said the hospitality side was doing well. So Wayne's right. If you looked at Zeda, um, all the different companies are doing well. Yeah, that's yeah. one growth area. 
Okay. But we um, can't afford to holiday other than in South Africa. Exactly. Anyway, David, I'm, I'm going your for, pick. Mm, mm. I'm going for Eli Lilly. Um, I just think this is a big industry. These weight loss drugs, the obesity drugs, the diabetic, you know, diabetic drugs are big. Look, they've also got Alzheimer's, which is very close to me as well, which I watch with great interest <laughs> to see if they're making any progress there. <laughs> I wouldn't have said you've so, displayed uh, any signs yet of Alzheimer's. So we'll tell so, you. Um, I, I think this is going to be a bigger industry than, than we imagine in the pharmaceutical side. And the numbers being brandished about, which I don't want to quote because I'm probably going to get wrong, hmm. um, don't dismiss it. And I think the consequences of this are, are significant as well. In other words, it can have issues in other industries. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's it. We have to leave it there. <laughs> we have to cut you short. David Wayne, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Great to chat to you as always. David Shapiro is from Sasson Securities. Wayne McCurry is from F&B Wealth and Investments. And coming up next, the close. Stay with us. Thank <laughs> you.